Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Greetings, conversationalists. It is Eric Erickson here, and I am delighted to have you with me this final hour of the program today. And I'm going to abuse the position of it being the Eric Erickson Show to as Eric Erickson. Uh, thank someone, uh, some of you may know his name is Jim Hardman, who has uh, just saved me. Uh, <laughs> So uh, Hardman uh, GMC is the oldest uh, family-owned GMC dealership in the state of Georgia, and he's a listener. And I have in a had to drop my car off at a dealership a week ago, Monday, for a what should not be a very complex repair. And a week later, they still haven't even looked at my vehicle, and it was infuriating me. And I've complained about it on radio and. Mr. Hardman called and he says, I got a dealership. How about I get my dealership to transfer the car from that dealership to my dealership and we'll get it fixed. And I did not want to burden him and he was willing to take on the burden and thank God I can might get my car back at some point. Um, it's it just frustrating. I, I, I've never, the, the dealership is local to me. It's like five minutes from my house and I've never bought a car from him. I've always gone to, a different dealership to buy a car, but this one's the right near me. And it was the logical one to tow my car to last week. And a week later, they still haven't even looked at my car. And I told them what was going to happen. It's like, you literally cannot move the steering wheel. If I, if the tow truck drops it off, you're not going to be able to move it. And that's what happened. And they're like, well, we, we got to get a tow truck here to move the car into the garage. We can't move it. It's like, I told you that a week ago. So after expressing my frustrations on radio, Mr. Hardman heard me, and he has saved me, and I have to use my radio microphone to thank him for taking care of it. Um, I, I'm good for the money, I promise, whatever the bill is. But, oh, my gosh. It's so frustrating to be without a car for that long and to have to deal with rental cars. Um, it Really, the, the rental car market out there, I was I actually had to went to the rental car place, got a rental car. The, the, the local dealership didn't offer me a loaner, and I wasn't going to deal with insurance because you know what will happen. They'll either cancel me or jack up my rate. So I was just like, I'll, I'll pay the rental myself. And uh, Mr. Hardman's kind enough to give me a loaner, um, so I got to take the rental back. But the rental car place, I was talking to him because there are so many people in this rental car facility. I was like, You're, there's not an airport nearby. And all these people are local. Rex, it's the only rental car facility within my area. And so anyone from like a, a five or six county radius who has a wreck and they need a rental car, they got to come to this car dealership. And it does this enterprise dealership just does gangbuster business because of wrecks. Makes me scared to get on the road, realize how many people are in there having to wreck their car. Good grief. All right, we, we got to move on. There is a soap opera out there right now. I assume you all know what soap operas are. I realize there are fewer and fewer of them on television today. Is Young and the Restless still on? So when I was a kid, uh, my grandmother's best friend's name was Sybil Woodside. And my grandmother uh, and Miss Sybil were nurses. And they worked at a little, they, they worked at a, a little uh, hospital, ultimately a rural hospital that closed. But on their days off, they loved Young and the Restless and General Hospital, which where we lived, they came on back to back. And my grandmother and Miss Sybil Woodside would on their uh, standard issue Monopoly AT&T black telephones with the rotary dial, no less, they ultimately upgraded to the digital dial. 
but they would sit and watch Young and the Restless and General Hospital and on the phones, like, like, like teens today with their cell phones, except they're texting, they would sit and play-by-play General Hospital and General, uh, General Hospital. Two hours, two hours, these, these women would sit and watch soap operas, and they were so emotionally invested in these soap operas. My grandmother more than once put Victor Newman from Young and the Restless on the prayer list at church. I am not making that up. She sure did. Because <laughs> those greedy kids were coming for his company. It was succession in, in, in the 1980s. Oh, my grandmother loved Young and the Restless in, in General Hospital. I, I And I would try to keep up with it. But, you know, and these actors, they stay there forever. I mean, you work on the same show for 30 years. I just, it was, it was, it was incredible. So I assume you know what a soap opera is. Well, there's a new soap opera. It's called Dominion versus Fox News. And we have been treated to every little detail by the American mainstream media because they hate Fox News. The jury has been selected. The case will begin unless there are settlement talks. And the media really doesn't want settlement talks because the media really wants Tucker Carlson to have to testify. Now, I'm of two minds on this. I have conservative friends of mine who are pushing me very, very hard that this lawsuit is an affront to free speech in the First Amendment. Full disclosure. When I was a lawyer, I represented television stations. And this is not a matter of free speech, in my opinion. Free speech does not allow you to say things about other people that are disparaging and not true without consequence. If I were to get on television and tell you that Joe Schmo is a child molester, and to be grilled by the host without pushing back on it. But, oh, tell me, what sort of children did Joe Schmo molest? When did he do it? Is he out there right now, you think, molesting children? And we know that the reporter questioning me or the anchor questioning me didn't really believe the allegation, but then hand me back the next night so that I could explain more of Joe Schmo's predatory exploits of children. I think it's reasonable to presume that the news network is guilty of defamation because it amplified, promoted and amplified, though it knew it not to be true, the allegations. That's what Dominion is arguing against Fox. That Fox's anchors, Fox's executives, Fox's producers knew the allegations were not true. And yet allowed Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, and others to come on and continually make and amplify those things that are patently not true and did not push back on them. Fox's side is that it's a, it was a news story. It's what the Trump team was claiming. 
and they had every right to cover it. As a matter of First Amendment, they had a, they had a right to cover this as a free – just because they're a news organization. They have the freedom of the press. It's free speech. They can allow these people to say things. Now, the judge has restricted their defense here to some degree, and I think so rightly. For this reason, I personally believe it is irresponsible for a news network to allow people to come on and make claims that the people behind the interview know are not true – and do not push back. Let's go back to the Joe Schmo example. Someone comes on and says Joe Schmo's a child molester. He's a pedophile. The news network knows it's not true or fundamentally believes it's not true and knows there's no evidence of it. You have the person come back the next night and tell all about all these kids Joe Schmo's exploited and, and abused and, and what these kids are saying to you and, and allow the person to come on multiple days in a row and slime Joe Schmo as a child molester without any real pushback at all. You, the news network, may not have said the things, but you did give them voice. You amplified them. And if in discovery we find out you knew it was all BS, but it was a rating success and you didn't want this person having the audience go somewhere else to hear about Joe Schmo, well then, yeah, you're complicit in it. If, however, you allow the person to come on to slander Joe Schmo and you push back and say, where's your evidence? There's no evidence of this. Well, I've talked to kids. Well, who are the kids? Well, I can't tell you. Really? You can't tell us? Not even behind the scenes? Well, no. Well, then why should we allow you to tell us this instead of hearing from the first person? Well, because I know Joe Schmo's a pedophile, but your evidence is you know kids, but you won't tell anyone who the kids are. You won't reveal it to anyone. So how can we believe you? Well, then the network is pushing back. They're casting doubt on the allegation, if anything, because the allegation uh, seems so salacious and there are questions raised. You're not just amplifying it. You're not just allowing them to have a voice. The media, the, the mainstream media hates Fox News, though. They don't like Fox because Fox refuses to toe the party line. If Fox News had the ratings it had, but said pretty much what every other news network says and covers the news in the same way, none of these people would care about this case. They would probably be filing briefs on Fox News's behalf. The problem here is that Fox beats all of them combined and does so as a conservative news organization. It has a great news team. It's interesting to watch other reporters from other networks even sliming Brett Baer because he works at Fox. They don't doubt he's a good reporter, but they're attacking him anyway for not being willing to quit at Fox News, where he's a valuable, great anchor with a great show. It's hard to get to the truth of the matter in this because there's so much hatred of Fox News out there. But I believe it's also deeply relevant that Fox News abused the trust of its listeners based on just the text messages and documents we already have. In the name of respecting their audience, Fox did, in fact, make a decision to not tell the audience what it believed to be true but to tell the audience what it believed the audience wanted to hear. And I don't think that's good for the integrity of the network, whether it's defamation or not. I get attacked by a lot of people many days of the week for supposedly talking down to my audience or insulting members of the audience or attacking members of the audience. 
And there are some very frail, sensitive members of the audience who, when I say I believe something, think I'm talking down to them or lecturing them or, or belittling them. I'm not. They're just idiots. <laughs> Listen, it, it, when I tell you the election in 2020 wasn't stolen, it was stolen fair and square through a legal process where they went to court and had rules changed. They didn't actually use Dominion voter system machines to seal it. They weren't actually fraudulently counting votes in the middle of the night like some of you claim. Oh, but have you seen the video? Yes, I've seen the video. I know the procedure. I knew what they were doing. But you don't believe it because some idiot who doesn't know the procedure who didn't live in the state told you it was so. Yeah, okay, am I belittling you? Yeah, because you're really gullible if you believe this stuff. Spare me your hate mail, and I know you won't. You'll still send it, and I don't care because I don't see it anymore anyway. But the reality is Fox, by pursuing this story in such a way as to amplify the claims of voter fraud, probably did open itself up to real defamation. Uh, and, and a jury could find it that way, and Fox will appeal it, but probably settle it along the way. They would be smart probably to go on and settle it today so Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson and Rupert Murdoch don't have to testify. I don't know that Dominion wants them to. Dominion, however, would also be smart to settle because Dominion's a small company. It's not worth billions of dollars, which is what they're suing Fox for. Even if a jury finds Fox guilty, I have a hard time believing that a billion-dollar verdict is reasonable. Both sides, in their own interest, should probably settle. And it's no sure thing, contrary to what you may read, at uh, left-wing publications or here on CNN, it is an incredibly hard thing to find a media outlet itself guilty of defamation because it has free speech and it has a free press mandate in the Constitution that it can hide behind. I think, in my judgment, based on what I know, Fox probably crossed the line but it's a 50-50 proposition still as to whether or not a jury will go in that direction, except this is a Delaware jury, which is probably inclined to be against Fox News, which should probably provide it some level of incentive to go on and get this thing settled. All right, I got to just, uh, I don't have any sympathy for these people. Have you all heard this story about this woman She's Canadian, I guess, and, and, and maybe that has something to do with it. Jalen Cheney. She claims to be a, a social media influencer and model, and she's really fat. And she thinks that airlines should have to give her a free seat. Stuff like this infuriates me. Because I, I, I got to tell you, um, while I am sympathetic to people who are overweight, I am not that overweight. And for her to demand that an airline give her the seat, she's inconveniencing the people around her. Maybe she should actually pay for that extra seat herself. Airlines, because of their economics, do not have large seats unless you want to sit in first class. And she could sit in first class. She could pay the ticket to sit in first class, but she's chosen not to pay the extra money to sit in first class. She's sitting in the back of the plane, inconvenience other people, and she wants a freebie. And part of this, in all honesty, is this social media influencer uh, culture that we're in where everyone's supposed to give you stuff and you'll 
text about it, tweet about it, Instagram about it, Snapchat about it, and and sing praises about it. It's just absurd to the extent to which people who aren't really anyone and, and don't have this massive following are suddenly social media influencers. I actually read an article in the Wall Street Journal the other day about a woman who was a massive social media influencer. She was doing about $500,000 a year in endorsements and sponsorships for her social media content on TikTok and Instagram and decided to give it up cold turkey for a nine-to-five office job and now is doing workshops for social media influencers on convincing them to stop doing it because you always got to be on, you got to cover your whole life. Several years ago, my son in particular, but both of my kids, decided they did not want me putting their pictures on social media anymore. Just done. If I put it up, it can't be their face. Um, got to be them looking in another direction. They didn't like being recognized by strangers. They didn't like the, uh, the the people who might see us in the real world and act like they knew my kids when they don't. That's really one of the weirdest phenomena out there. And, and women in particular seem to be worse about it than guys is you follow someone on social media and you act like or think in some way that you know them, you you keep up with their lives, and it's really not healthy because you do not these people are not your friends. You really do not know these people. And then you get some of them who do this and they decide that they should get free seats on airlines uh, because they spill over into the adjoining seat. Well, get a first class ticket then. Greetings. It is I, your host, Derek Erickson. Uh, I um I was just texting back and forth with Charlie about the whole Bud Light thing. You know, they still haven't apologized or or even fired the woman. And I'm always so loath to say that anyone should have to lose their job for something. But I don't know how, if you're Anheuser-Busch, how you move beyond this issue. I guess time heals all wounds. But uh, when you're elevating... Um, this woman, uh, the the PR woman. Yeah, I, I had somebody yelling at me. Uh, well, I shouldn't say yelling at me. I just I found an Instagram comment in all caps that you're no better than Fox News. You're calling that man a, a, a she as well. And I realized that uh, they were mishearing. I was talking about the PR woman who actually is a woman yesterday, not Dylan Mulvaney, who's a man. And the listener thought I was referring to Mulvaney as a woman. No, no, I'm not. Uh, the the notable thing here is is we're a, a a little more than a week removed from this controversy, and it's still a controversy. And Anheuser-Busch is still having problems. Charlie was just saying back back home in Montana, a friend of his who owns a grocery store was saying that he sold a, a case, a single case of Bud Light, and that the daily uh, trips are now a weekly trip for the Anheuser-Busch distributor there. It, it has had a real impact on their business. Uh, this is a a trigger trigger issue for people, and I I don't know that so much of the the press and corporations have realized just how offensive this is. But there's something else here notable. I was going to talk about taxes, and I'll get to taxes here in a minute. But Anheuser Busch's CEO has released a non apology apology. He's tried some damage control, and now they brought back out the the American flag and the Clydesdales to try to rally people around the brand. 
but they're having to do it because their consumers have revolted. I don't drink Bud Light anyway. I, I don't drink Budweiser. I don't drink Bud Light. So me criticizing the company doesn't matter. The fact that they've had to do what they've done suggests they are actually seeing it. It's not just rumor. It actually is real uh, outrage by its consumers, and the anecdotal evidence is compiling into data at this point. So many small gas stations around the country and local bars reporting people not buying it, they clearly had a measurable impact. So it's their consumers. But think about Tampax tampons. They have now done an endorsement with a guy who even still has his facial hair. And then there are multiple women's cosmetic brands as well that have done the super woke uh, advertising. Now, some of you may not realize this, but biological men do not have menstrual cycles. To do a Tampax tampon endorsement deal with a biological male is stupid, and yet they've done it. And there's no walk back there. there. There's no reversal there. There's no apology there. This comes down to women. It is women who have ceded the feminist movement to men. And it is women who have allowed equality and Title IX to now be stepped on by men. It is the female leaders in the political movements of America who have done this. I mean, just know your history here. In the 1970s, Title IX was a very big deal. Title IX required equal funding, more or less, and this is a summary, but equal funding of, of men's and women's sports. You have women's basketball because Title IX, and you have a well-funded women's basketball program. You may not have women's football, but you have other women's sports, softball and the like, and, and swimming in, in major colleges and public institutions that you otherwise would not have because Title IX ensured the equality of funding for men's and women's athletic competitions in public schools across America, among other things. Fast forward from the 1970s to today, and now a man who can't compete against other men can declare himself to be a woman, spend a year of hormone therapy after 18 years of, of testosterone, and then kick women's butts, and the women are like, oh, isn't this so wonderful? This is just so great. We let, Let's give him the Women of the Year Award. He's such a good woman. No, he's not. But this is on you, ladies. This is on you. Tampax can do an advertisement with a dude who keeps his beard, literal beard because you're not like the Bud Light drinkers who decided, no way, we're not letting this happen to our product. This is on you, ladies. You ladies who have demanded equality have gone off the deep end of equality to the point where you now have decided men and women, there's no reason to have segregated sports anymore. Just put a man 
in a dress and you're good to go if you're a leading feminist in America. And by the way, if you're not down with that, even feminists attack you. Poor old Judy Bloom. Judy Bloom is like 85 years old. Uh, when I was a kid, even I was required to read Judy Bloom um, works. Um, how, what was what was the book? Um, Fudge. That's what it was. Fudge. She's written, um, It's Not the End of the World, Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing, uh, Freckle Juice, Fudgemania, Double Fudge. Um, she's written all these books. She, she's an icon. And she is 85 years old. And she came out and defended J.K. Rowling. Judy Bloom defended J.K. Rowling for J.K. Rowling's views on women. She said she was behind her 100% two days ago. Two days ago, I am behind J.K. Rowling 100%. And now, the headline a day later is Judy Bloom clarifies support for trans people after J.K. Rowling comments. Judy Bloom said her words were taken out of context in an interview in which the children's book author said she stands behind J.K. Rowling 100%. The article said Bloom was referring to criticism Rowling had received for speaking up in defense of women's sex-based rights. Many took that to mean Bloom supported Rowling's stance on sex and gender, which have been criticized being transphobic. I wholly support the trans community, Bloom clarified. My point, which was taken out of context, is that I can empathize with a writer or person who has been harassed online. I stand with the trans community and vehemently disagree with anyone who does not fully support equality or acceptance of LGBTQIA plus people. Oh, we got all the extra vowels in there. This is just, so this 85-year-old gets dragged online. This 85-year-old who has helped so many kids gets dragged online for standing with J.K. Rowling, the woman who sold more books than Jesus Christ, it seems, at this point. Well, I don't know. The Bible is still like a five or six books ahead of J.K. Rowling in terms of sales. Uh, but she's getting close. I mean, she's on Jesus' heels in terms of book sales. And she's getting dragged by, by people for being a turf. A turf. What is a turf? A trans-exclusionary radical feminist. In other words, a feminist who believes you must be a real woman, a biological woman, to actually be a woman. And what's so crazy here is, have you heard about the Hogwarts, whatever, the, the video game? The video game, the Hogwarts video game that, that has come out is getting horrible reviews. And when you read the reviews, the reviews are all by progressives who are upset with J.K. Rowling for being an actual natural woman feminist. Doesn't have anything to do with the play of the game. It turns out that this Hogwarts video game has done 200% of anticipated sales, like massive success. It's brought in massive revenue. And now HBO is finally embracing my idea, which is take the Harry Potter books and turn them each book into 
a season of TV. So much of the movies were left on the cutting room floor because there's so many other details and, and stories and angles and subplots in the books that you can't get in a two-hour movie. And I've been saying for years, I, I, I told the head of HBO, I told Apple, I told Tim Cook that you should take these books and turn them into a series if you want video content. HBO is going to do that. The trans community is furious because J.K. Rowling is going to serve as executive producer and gets editorial control to strike all the stuff that she disagrees with. That's contrary to the book. They're furious with her. But I'm just going full circle to the issue of the women. You women now have Olay and other cosmetics companies and tampon companies giving money that could go to women. They're giving it to men who have actual physical beards on their face because you're the ones who let this happen. Bud Light's consumers said, we will not go along with you celebrating a transgender activist the week that a transgender activist killed six people. And Tampax, tampons, is like, hey, we're going to put a man and make him the face of our product. And actual real women are like, okay. No backlash whatsoever, which means it's only going to get worse. You, you can't expect us to be able to protect daughters in sports from men who have a real competitive advantage against them physically when you, all this other stuff happens. It really is the wildest thing that the feminist movement demanded equality, got it, and now has decided to let the men take over the movement. And you and I both know if it wasn't white men pushing this, uh, people would draw the line. But uh, the feminist movement continues to be beholden to a bunch of white men. It just – I the dynamics of this continue to fascinate me um, that women in the feminist movement would allow capture by a bunch of men. Of course, it was bound to happen. Now, Aaron, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. What's going on? I was just thinking that uh, men becoming women to tell women how to be women is the ultimate in mansplaining. <laughs> it, it is. You know, you're right. The, the, the Dylan Mulvaney guy, that's one of the things he does is, is he now um, suggests how women should dress and behave and and. I just like, and, and he's doing like this 1950s June Cleaver stereotype. It, it is the most bizarre thing to uh, have a feminist movement demanding equality. You're all, you're getting equality, and you're like, okay, let's put the men in charge. As long as they dress in skirts and high heels, we're going to put the men in charge. Okay, there you are. I, the whole thing is bizarre to me. All right, we should clear the air with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. It's a BOGO this week. You buy one, you get one free. You go to EdenPureDeals.com. You put in the discount code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. You get the buy one, get one free, EdenPureDeals.com. They're an air purifier, and you just wipe out the electrostatic plates. You don't even have to get a filter subscription. Where it really shines, though, is the elimination of noxious odors. So smoke odors, pet odors, litter box odors, cooking odors, musty odors. You fire up the Eden Pure and it wipes it out. I've told you guys about my buddy who bought the lake house from lifelong smokers who smoked in the house. He took advantage of the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, got three of them, put them in that house, fired them up, walked away for the weekend, came back, and he says, 
the air is clean. It doesn't smell like cigarette smoke anymore in the house. Another friend of mine uses it in, in the room where he keeps his cat's litter box, and it works. You get three, or you know, you get buy one, get one free. So you buy one, you get two, one free. You buy two, you get two free. Buy three, you get three free. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code that you use is just Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Buy one, get one free. EdenPureDeals.com. I think I can squeeze in one more phone call here. Let's go to Brandon. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Brandon, how are you? I'm great. Hey, I'll be quick. So um, you were touching on this, and I've been wanting to ask you this question. It's something I I don't know how to research myself. So, you know, Um, so on men playing in women's sports, uh, my idea, uh, not to tell women what to do, but my idea would be that when a man who is clearly a man dressed up as a woman comes onto the field to, say, play soccer, um, when you're at the practice and you see a man out there kicking the ball around, you go sit down. Uh, if it's a game, you, uh, the home team and the opposing team as well says, no, there's a dude on the field. This is women's sports. You go sit down, and, and the game doesn't start until the guy is off the field. My question is, would there be any legal ramifications for that? Could people actually get in trouble and get kicked off of the women's soccer team because they refuse to, you know, yeah, go out there and so play the sport with Depending the guy. on the state and the rules, yes. In fact, in Vermont, a private Christian school refused to play a game against a team that had a guy on the girls' team, and uh, the they were disqualified from the match. They forfeited it, and then the uh, Vermont Principals Association, which regulates uh, school competitions. Uh, has disqualified this Christian school from playing any more games against other teams in the state uh, for having refused wow. to play the game against the boy. And now it's state by state. It depends on state and setup. But, yeah, it could be a problem. And, and also you're you're not going to get all the girls to sit down probably. Now, switching gears here, it is tax day. Have you filed your taxes? I had to get an extension. Uh, your tax refund is probably going to be lower than it was last year because of all the stimulus stuff is going away and all the COVID relief. What I find notable, though, there's a guy who writes at Vox, the Vox progressive site that supposedly explains the news. His name is Dylan Matthews, reliable progressive. He's been volunteering to help people with their taxes, particularly the poor. Been volunteering to help them with taxes and suddenly realizes our tax system is too complex. Now, his solutions, of course, are progressive, bat poop, crazy ideas. But he finally realizes that the tax code is too complex. Uh, my buddy Dan McLaughlin at National Review pointed out this is one of uh, Robert Conquest's three laws of politics. If you've never heard them, number one is everyone is conservative about which he knows best. Number two is any organization not explicitly and constitutionally right-wing will sooner or later become left-wing. Number three is the behavior of any bureaucratic organization can best be understood by assuming it's controlled by a secret cabal of its enemies. Those are Robert Conquest's three laws, and and they're spot on. In this first one, everyone is conservative about which he knows best. Dylan Matthews knows how to do taxes. And he writes, there are at least three definitions of child for tax purposes. One definition allows parents or guardians to claim a larger earned income tax credit. A different definition allows a child's parents or guardians to claim head of household filing status, which offers advantages relative to filing a single person. Then there's the definition of a child for the purposes of the child tax credit, which takes up to $2,000 per child off families' tax bills. 
These are overlapping but not identical categories, and I've seen no small amount of confusion from preparers and taxpayers struggling to figure out if a kid is a child for child tax credit and head of household purposes. The main tax credit we deal with is the VITA or in, in the EITC and the CTC, and they're super complex. And then we have a number of people bringing in 1099 NECs, totaling well above the five figures, which should be withholdings. It's glad that someone on the left realizes the tax code is so complicated, but his solution is to complicate it even further.